Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for allowing us to sit here amongst your people. Thank you for bringing us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you for perfecting a work in our hearts. Thank you for calling us apart and causing us to come to you. I pray that you would use us in this day to make an even more stark contrast in the lives of those that are around us so that they might perceive that you're about to return, O oh God. We pray, Father God, that you be glorified. We pray, Father God, that you be exalted this morning and that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Minister to our hearts as you prepare us for the coming days and the work we're supposed to be doing upon the earth, O oh God. And you be glorified and exalted, you who have come to redeem, to save, to forgive the world of their sins as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We pray, Father God, that each day we would be a part of your saving grace and redemption plan in the lives of man. Prosper your word in the hearts of your people this morning. And allow us, Father God, to move in the direction of your commandments. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. One of the fundamental doctrines and teachings of the Christian faith is this aspect of separation. Uh, there's no doubt that for a new Christian that is starting out in his walk with the Lord... This is the most painful process about being a Christian and being called of the Lord. Um, as soon as I became a Christian at the age of 16, I knew that those loved ones, my friends and family members who had grown up with me all my life, um, that I wanted them to feel and to hear and to experience what I was hearing, feeling, and experiencing um, were stuck on, we're not budging. We're going to continue doing what we know how to do. Uh, the parties, the indifference to God, the not wanting to participate and come. Um, and, and almost as, as if we were one, as like, you know, the Lord is calling me and, and I'm telling the Lord, Lord, there's a lot of people I love that are not coming. And the Lord, first and foremost, was, was telling me it was time to let go of these people. It was time to disassociate myself. And it was so painful in my life that I started telling my friends, why don't we, why don't we cut a deal here? Um, I will go to the nightclubs on Saturday night and I'll continue to do what we've been doing all along. And we'll continue to be friends and share things that we have in common. But you guys, tomorrow morning, come with me to church. And for a full year, almost every weekend, that's 52 weeks, I would tell them, I'll go with you guys on Friday night. And we'll go to the night scene. We'll go to the parties. We'll go to the friends. But I want you guys to taste what I'm tasting at church and come with me. And for 52 weeks, they promised every weekend, okay, you come with us, we'll go with you. 
And I went with them probably 40 weeks out of the year, and they did not come one time to church. They did not come to listen. They did not come to hear. They did not come to witness what I was witnessing. And so at the end of the year, I told the Lord these words. I said, Lord, for me, it's too difficult to break with the people I love. I can't do it. Will you do it for me? And that, that, that is when you start praying according to the will of God. Because there is no way that, that the company that we keep um, is beneficial to the ones we love if we continue to partake with the things they're partaking. In other words, there's no contrast. They don't see what they're doing is wrong. Why? Because we're sitting there right with them, doing it with them. And so they never have a conscience of, man, I wonder where Joaquin went. Uh, to even to the extent that early on, a friend of mine says, Joaquin, it's not wrong to drink beer. I said, no, it's not wrong to drink beer. It's wrong to get drunk. And he says, well, then let's have a pitcher of beer. I said, well, let's have a pitcher of beer. And I'll have a cup of beer. And he got drunk with the other pitcher. So I sat there while my best friend was getting drunk. And I felt like, man, I got suckered on this one. The devil used me to allow him to continue to do that which was wrong. And so um, we need, and, and I bring this message here this morning because the only hope of our loved ones and our friends to ever get an idea of what's going on is that God would give us the grace sufficient to walk in what, what is the heart of God for us to be removed from those people that are closest to us. Because they'll never be able to understand what is going on in their life. The Bible says that in the life of Noah, um, it wasn't until they, they jumped in the ark and the door was closed that they realized that judgment was coming. And a lot of times because we continue to have fellowship and we continue to act like nothing is wrong, uh, we have the example of Lot when he went over and told his son-in-laws, listen, this city's going to be judged. And they began to laugh. And they were like, it can't be judged because you're here. And you're not going anywhere, so nothing's going to happen to us as long as you're here. The Bible says the angels grabbed Lot and his daughters and rushed them out of the city. And the son-in-laws got judged and destroyed. Because they weren't able to see a stark contrast. So this morning, my desire is, is twofold. Number one, for you to understand that this is necessary. This is essential. This is a fundamental reality in the Christian faith that we're called to separate ourselves. Uh, and number two, that that will be the opportunity for our loved ones and our friends to come. So when I finally prayed to the Lord, Lord, I can't do this. You do it for me. And, and finally, it happened. God allowed there to be a distancing, a separation from me and those people that I loved. And... Now, 30 years later, because of that separation, when crisis came in the life of my friend, they ran over to where I was. They took refuge in the place I had found refuge. And so there was that stark contrast. Had I ridden with him for 30 years, doing the same things, being part, I would have been part of all the destruction that befell him and, and his family. So we, we, we sometimes think that this is an Old Testament truth. 
um, a lot of people say, well, you know, in grace it's different. In grace, now that we have the love of God, we just all gather together and we love on one another. Well, in Corinthians, we see Paul tell the Corinthian church that they're to move themselves. Let's go ahead and read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We see Paul uh, use these words. I'm sorry, let's, let's, uh, let me see here. Yep, 6. Hmm. 6.15 Paul is, is making a a necessary contrast in this church. Everything is going really upside down um, a lot of a lot of the believers are all over the place and let's go to verse 17 this is these, these are the words that that Paul says uh, in context of of things being stirred up the words are come out from among them he's not going to tell your worldly friends, family, and believers, for them to be removed from you. Um, they will continue to engage in what they've always engaged in. For them, it's normal. Uh, we're going to see a verse here that says, um, they think it's strange. They think it's strange that you don't continue to be with them doing what they do. Man, that guy's weird. He's, he's not around us no more. He, he doesn't do what, he doesn't talk. Um, hey, we're over here talking. Uh, the, the greatest thing now is to, to come over with your cell phone and, and show pictures of naked women. And, and that's normal in the world. But now that we're in Christ, when they come up to us and they, they want to make us participants of a, a coarse joke, of a dirty picture, of something that's, that's you know, some, it's not, we don't feel the same. Before, we would have laughed. We would have been casual to, to brush it off. But now, it's like an offense. It's vulgar. We, do, we don't consider it something uh, to be attracted to or even talked about. Uh, just recently, I was in, uh, having coffee uh, about a month ago. And this man, he, he shows me a picture of a man dressed like a woman. And he's like, hey, look, look, look. And he thought it was funny. I said, How, how is this funny? How is this something amusing? And, and why do you hang out with people like this? I asked him. So ever since then, he, he won't show me no more pictures. But um, the scenario is that that's our reality. And that's our everyday reality. And for those that, that, that in modern times that we're not getting, listen to me, that what it comes down to is we're not getting the profound effect of what God wants us to have in the life of our loved ones because we continue to act like everything's okay. We continue to participate, to facilitate. He says, come out from among them, break loose, separate, be separate. Um, painful words, words that strike deep in the hearts of us and our loved ones. Do not touch, do not be intimate. Do not be acquainted with that which is unclean so that I can uh, continue 
to do what my plan is in your life. I'll receive you. Uh, one of the real, you can say, episodes in the life of God's people in the Old Testament is that they were never able to separate. They, they, they wanted always to be part of the customs of those that surrounded them. They, they were never able to break loose with traditions of earthly uh, sensuality. I, I guess that's the part of us that keeps us connected to these people. There's a familiarity. There's, there's a closeness. There's something that we share, uh, none of which is positive or beneficial. Um, and, and for all the people, and, and you guys know we've been pastoring now for over 20 years, um, 16 at the Church of Spring of Life and five at the youth group. And I can tell you something, those people that stayed in those 50 shades of gray suffered immensely. The, the sufferings of the people who said, I can't, it's just too difficult. What, what came upon their lives and the lives of their loved ones was huge tragedy. It wasn't just like, it's okay, and, and they just, you know, a couple turbulent bumps in the road, and we're smooth sailing. No, it was, listen, it was destruction of sorts. Had they seen a video of what transpired, they would have been radical at the front. If they would have seen the consequences that came because of their mixture, that's what the Bible calls it. When you're not separating, when you don't make distinction, and, and for those of you that have wisdom this morning, you say, well, I got away from my worldly friends and my carnal Christians and even my family members. I got away, but you're still listening to worldly music. You're still not separated. You're still mixture. And, and the Bible says that God, listen, he doesn't have an apathetic sentiment towards this casual connection it says he hates mixture because it doesn't allow him to do his full work on two ends it doesn't allow us to finish the work that he started to become what God intended us because we're still attached emotionally we're still attached you know with strings that 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 don't allow us to become the full prince uh, in the life of Joseph, you see the distancing of his brothers and his family. And then down the road, he is the provision of their salvation. And it says it there in Genesis 45, 8. He says, this whole process of God was for the saving of many. God calls that. Let's see if it's verse 9. 45, 9. I'm going to find that verse because it's super important. He says in verse 8, he says, This was not your doing. You guys were not the ones that separated from me. This was God. You guys didn't cause this to happen. This was God. Oh, there it is. Um, verse 7. He says, This separation was not you. It was God. God sent me here before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth. To save your lives by great deliverance. My separation from you, my calling out from among you, was to prepare for the saving of the entire family. 
And so in this charge, again, uh, the fundamental teaching of be ye separate. And uh, 2 Corinthians, let's go back. Chapter 6, verse 17. Um, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. See, this is not any, a lot of people says, oh, your church is weird. Uh, you're in that cult that separates families. Listen. Seth, the Lord. The Lord is the one that draws the distinction. Do not be intimate to what is not right, and I will receive you. Now, um, it is God's desire to bring us into close connection. But there is no connection without separation. There is no joining without a calling out. And the distinctive of those who allow themselves, and even uh, I'm sharing my, my personal testimony with, with regards to the pain, the, the, the time frame that it took for me to actually uh, ask God, you do it. You bring that surgical knife and you cut what is not to be joined and, and so we'll see this scenario. But there it says, and I will receive you. Now verse 18, this is the key. And then when this separation occurs, I will be to you as a father. And you will be to me as sons and daughter, says the Lord. So there is no coming into the full relationship with God without there being a clear detachment. As long as our heart cords are drawn in the direction of compromise and negotiating these things, there's, there's going to be a situation of sorts that doesn't allow. Uh, chapter 7, uh, verse 1. So there, in, in this separation, he says, Since I have promises, let us cleanse ourselves. Let us purify ourselves. Let us sanctify ourselves. The word sanctify means set apart. Separate. That's where it comes from. To be separate. Let God finish the good work in you. Um, so that you can receive these promises. And you're, you're not going to be there meshed in the flesh. Uh, but your spirit will be perfected in holiness in the fear of God. Um, as we... Consider everything that has to take place in this in this time frame. I, I remember a friend of mine saying, Joaquin, you know something? Um, you go on in advance. Your, your growth in spiritual things takes you to a place where you no longer have fellowship at this level. You never you don't engage people with this sort. I'm gonna stay here, he says. And and I said, Look, what you're talking about is one who uh, starts going to school at kindergarten and you have learned how to, uh, you know your colors, you know your numbers, you know how to, uh, to finger paint. You've learned a lot of things from the time you were in your house, now you're separating your house, now you're in kindergarten. You learned a lot of things. And instead of going to first grade to add and to subtract and to learn how to say words, you want to stay in kindergarten because you don't want to let go of those people that need to learn how to finger paint and learn their numbers and add. So we stay stunted in our growth, in our worldliness, in our carnality, instead of moving to greater levels of holiness and relationship with God, because the end intent of the Lord is that you would be a professor. 
And as a professor, you know how to teach across the board from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. You would have graduated. But if you stay stunted in your growth and you're like, well, you know something? It's just I want to help these people who don't know numbers and they don't know colors and they don't know how to paint. And I'm going to stay here so that they can be close to me. And the truth is God is calling us to go to first grade. And you have to say goodbye to your kindergarten teacher. No, she was so good. I love my favorite part of kindergarten was nap time. And I heard in first grade they don't nap. You know, and so we get stuck on levels of emotional thoughts and relationships that cause us to stagnate and we become, listen to what we become, we become a curse to all those that come after us because they never see what a mature godly Christian looks like. Um, the, the distortion of such was that if we ever say to somebody, and I've done this before, um, about five years ago, I called my aunt, and, and I said to my aunt, Mita, I said, Mita, you know I love you? And she goes, yeah. You know for 20 years I've always been there for you? And she goes, yeah. And I said, look, I realize that my relationship with you is keeping you in a comfortable place. That if I continue to come to your house and visit you, if I continue to have a relationship with you, when you don't want to have anything to do with the Lord, all I'm doing is hurting you. So from this day on, and because it's been 20 years, and I've done everything possible for you to know Jesus and come and live with me in heaven and be a part of the family of God that I believe that one day God's going to come and, and he's going to draw that big separation. It's going to be heaven or hell. Because I believe that and I want you to be in heaven with me, from now on, I will never again come to your church, uh, to your house. I will never again uh, be at a party where you're at. I will never again want to have a relationship with you outside of you knowing Jesus Christ. So if you need something, you call me, but I'm, I'm, this is the day that I draw the line. And so I separated, and she goes, she, you know what? They know more than we do what's going on. They, they're not going to go, oh, it surprises me. I don't know. Just like my worldly friends were never going to come to church. And I was going to continue for 10 years to go to nightclubs just to love on them and to win them to the Lord. Um, that day that I drew that line with my aunt and I separated. And all of a sudden, six months later, I see her start coming to church on Wednesday nights. She had never come for 20 years. But the day that I was able to, to translate my love to her and to tell her, look, I'm going to heaven. And if you don't come, I'll never see you again. And just so that you understand that I am taking this serious, I'm not going to pretend like everything's okay. I'm not going to pretend. Um, so this fundamental reality in the lives of mature Christians are something that's overlooked. Um, we have churches in Mexico. Pastor Jose Medeiros told me on my last trip that the pastors are telling the people in the church, you go to worldly parties. You go and participate in, and even get drunk with these guys. So they, they will feel the love of Christ and you'll win them to the Lord. And that's totally opposite than what we see in the Bible. The Bible calls us that we're to be separate, we're to be distinct, we're to be apart. In 2 Chronicles 29, we see a verse, this is now going back to the Old Testament, which shows that even from primitive times, the Lord is calling His people that He wants to do marvelous things if they will 
walk in the calling that they have. This is uh, 1 Chronicles 29 and verse... Um, I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles 29, 31. Hezekiah answered and said, Now ye have consecrated yourselves unto the Lord. Come near and bring sacrifices and thanks offerings into the house of God. Now that you've separated to the Lord, you're able to serve Him as it is appropriate. And so they begin to uh, uh, offer themselves in verse 34. Uh, but the priests were too many, too few, so that they could not flay all the burnt offerings. When they consecrated to the Lord and started giving God their best, people started coming with uh, untold numbers. Wherefore, the brethren and the Levites did help them till the work was ended and until the other priests had sanctified themselves. And the, for the Levites were more upright in their hearts to sanctify themselves than the priest. You know, the, to, to make ourselves prepared. Uh, in other words, uh, we are beginning our walk with the Lord. We're young and excited. But God wants to bring us to the full expression of what a godly person looks like. And you'll notice that, that even the word church. The word church means those that are called out. Those that were one time out in the mesh, now they're being separated and called out. What for? What for is because there's a great work to do in the kingdom. There's a great work to do with those whose mind is totally saturated with the things of God. 2 Timothy 2.20, going back to the uh, New Testament again. Um, God is talking there about the different vessels that he will use. Um, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, distinction of use, gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some have a use for honor and some for dishonor. When you see the, the stark contrast of what the Lord wants to do from where we're at as common to extraordinary and unique and bizarre, that's, that's a huge gap of separation. From, from darkness to light, that's separation. From being used by the devil. I, I, this is one of the examples I have. When I wasn't a Christian, boy, the devil used me. The devil used me to, to, to bring dirty jokes, to laugh, to party, to, to riot, to, to do things that were an expression of, to lie, to cheat, to steal, uh, uh, to be a womanizer. All these dark things, the devil used me. So now the Lord wants to bring me to the opposite realm of being a useful vessel in his hands. What is that? What, what, is the, what is the distance between being a vessel of dishonor and a vessel of honor? Anybody know what that distance is called? Yeah, you guys got it. The word is separation. And, and, and painful and distinctive and hurtful. But, but there is no blessing when we continue to write out the connection of, Pastor, what you're asking me to do is not going to happen. And so here is the, the mindset is, then we're not going to see the glory God has. We're not going to see the perfect work. We're not going to see the still work. Uh, we all know that these matters, when they are 
uh, entrusted to immature people um, are uh, conducted in manners which are bizarre and, and, and really crazy. Oh, I'm going to go through. I, I was teaching one time on, on spiritual warfare, and this guy says, yeah, pastor, that's why I have some grenades in my garage. You hear some teachings come out. You hear carnal people grabbing it carnally. But here what God is talking about is holiness. God is talking about purity. God is talking about fulfilling his purpose in our lives. And so there in 2 Timothy, it continues on to say, in a big house, in a great house, there's two types of vessels. There's vessels of honor uh, and vessels of dishonor. Verse 21. Therefore... Because there is a distinction and, the, and the, the distance between dishonor and honor is called separation. Because there's that distance, if anyone, do we have anybody here this morning that is saying, I know, Lord, Pastor, even before you brought this word, this is going on. Even before you even mentioned the doctrine of separation and the distancing between the un dishonor and honorable, I'm experiencing this right now. So I believe God is bringing this word even as a confirmation. So that you know that you're on the right track, that your compass is not messed up. That you know that it is a necessary essential that there be a disconnect so that God can fulfill his purpose. And here he goes. He says, um, he will be a vessel. If anyone cleanses himself, that word purifies, sanctifies, separates himself. If anyone is willing to take this step in this direction, he will be a vessel for honor. He would have been separated and useful to the master. He will be prepared for, to achieve that purpose God wants. And so a mature word for mature people is, Lord, help me come to the place where I'm able to disconnect and so that I could inherit what God has for me. We see a, a, a model of this in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 13, verse 9, where Abraham is, is not able to walk in the full calling of God because he's still hanging out with Lot and with his, all his family and his relatives and the workers. And there's a, a great contention between God's plan and purpose and Lot and his plan and purpose. And they continue to marry each other in family relationships. Is not the whole land before you? Uh, Abraham is telling Lot, isn't it true that you can get to do whatever you want? So choose. Please separate from me. If you take to the left, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. There cannot be mixture. There cannot be negotiation and compromise. A lot of people do this in regards to their marriage partner. Only to live a nightmare for the rest of their lives. A whole nightmare. It's like drinking vinegar and oil that never comes into the fullness of the union God intended. And so they suffer immensely uh, at levels that are, 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 are unhealthy. Um, all the... Uh, mental disorders of schizophrenia speaks about a mixture of personality, a mixture of the mind with the will, an inability to do what you've been called to do. So when there is that unequal yoke, when there is that uh, trying to, to make two things connect that aren't called to connect, um, there is huge, 
huge consequence. Um, so being able to, to, to walk in that manner becomes a, a blessing of peace. Second um, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. The, the commandment of the Lord, this is not a suggestion. Uh, the Lord doesn't like the suffering of his people. The Lord doesn't like the, the unfulfillment results of compromise and negotiated stances where we uh, do alliances with people that are steadfast in their rebellion. Uh, but we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from any brother who walks disorderly. Somebody who's not living life right, and, and you're able to sit down and, and say, look, um, this is, is an area that we don't see eye to eye to. This is hurtful to you. It's hurtful to your family. It's not beneficial. It is not conducive to if everybody were to do the same thing, it would end up in a wrong. Whoever is disorder, uh, not according to the uh, tra tradition which he has received from us. What, what are those things that that are conducive. I, I, there's, there's a couple of them that we, we were giving thanks for this week. Uh, our faith in God. Is somebody um, in having received the responsibility of the stewardship of faith? Uh, I talked with one individual and I said, look, um, the way you're going about your life and your family is super disruptive to 60 families in church super twisted and if you continued in our midst acting like you act you would actually hurt about 60 of the orphans in our church people that don't have a manner with which to to uh, form part of what our church is you would be hurtful you would be a stumbling block so it's not beneficial that you continue like that um, our faith our finances our family, our, our being able to walk in, in such a matter with friends. Um, uh, bring a friend to church who's taking another man's wife. And, and what happens if we, he take your wife? What, 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 what are the sentiments that we have in that regards? So all these matters in the Bible are there for us displayed when it says, uh, withdraw from every brother who walks in a manner which is inappropriate. He wrote that to the Thessalonians. Um, uh, we saw that he wrote it to the uh, Corinthians when he's advising Titus in Titus chapter 3 verse 10. He gives us the distinctive of the Christian faith. If there's a person that continually is causing a rift amongst the brethren. If there's a person who is causing other people to walk in a manner that's not regarding unity. After the first and second admonition. After you say, listen, you're driving on the wrong way of the highway. 60 miles an hour. Somebody's going to get hurt. Do you understand that? Ah, you always, ah. Hey, do you understand that the way you're living is not beneficial? Ah, ah. All the arguments they come up with, all the justifications. And then verse 11 says, uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry, that, it was right there. 
It says knowing such a person is warped. Reject. Separate yourself from a person after a first time. You call his attention a second time. Knowing such a person is twisted. And he set on sinning. That's one of the things that, that I couldn't. Um, a lot of times we, we say they're good people. They just don't know. They're just ignorant. They just listen to me. They know. Listen how much they know. They're willing for you to be with them, but they're never with you. Not once. Not, not even half a second. My friends would never, 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 never. Even on a long weekend where they could rest. They never came on Sunday. Never. They will not be caught dead in the presence of the Lord doing what God wants them to do. But yet they want us to be at all their parties. They want us to be at all their gatherings. They want us to be at all their jokes. Every time they do something. Um, and it becomes a very distinct scenario. Um, that was Titus. We go to 2 Thessalonians 3.14. And, and it is distinct there also. If anyone does not obey our word in these epistles. Make sure that he's noticed. It's easy to notice them. They're not keeping the order of the teaching of the Christian faith. Note that person and do not keep company with them. Don't, do not gather at their gatherings. Uh, again, I go back to this very, very basic premise. Those who have had an inability to draw that line have suffered immensely. They, they keep on saying, well, pastor, I really, I still don't understand what you mean. Don't keep company with them. I still don't understand what it means. I think there's a verse here in Corinthians where it says that uh, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9, he says, do not keep company with sexually twisted people, with those that are doing things uh, in a messed up manner. Verse 10, he says, yet not with all the sexually immoral or with all the covetous, the people that desire the things of the world, or extortioners or idolaters, since then you need not go out to the world. Paul is saying there's obvious that every single person out there has an issue. So what? Are we going to be separated from everyone? And he says no. It's those that already know and that they should know and they continue doing what's wrong. He says otherwise you wouldn't be able to hang out with anybody. Verse 11. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone who calls himself a Christian, who continues to do things that a Christian shouldn't do, that continues to act in a way that is improper. Don't associate. Don't connect. Don't be in fellowship. Not even to sit down and have a meal with that person. Well, that goes against Thanksgiving. No, no, see, what it's trying to do is you're trying to fulfill God's order so that that person might turn from doing what is destructive to them. And, and this is, this is uh, James Dobson calls it tough love. I, I can't foresee that you would sit down and act like everything's okay with someone who's about to have the earth swallow them alive. It's about to be eternally lost. 
is about to experience hell at proportions you never even thought possible because you did not love them enough to make a stark contrast in their lives. We see this in the Old Testament book of Numbers, in Numbers 16. Um, there we have uh, an uproar of people that, that have just a, a twisted mindset so far, as I can tell, um, what they're doing in verse 23. Numbers 16, 23. So the Lord, say with me, the Lord. He's the one that's leading the troops. He spoke to Moses saying, verse 24, speak to the congregation, and God is speaking to the congregation today, and tell them to separate from the tents of Korah, Datham, and Abram. Three men that were there in the congregation. They were there amongst God's people, but they were really, really disconnected and twisted. They were walking out of order. They were walking in rebellion. Um, verse 25 then Moses rose and went to the three, uh, to Dathan and to Abram, and the elders of Israel followed him. So they went out to their tents, verse 26. And he spoke to the congregation, says, separate now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. What's God saying? You're going to be counted as a participant with what they're doing wrong. You're going to be connected to rebellion and disobedience. Verse 27. So touch nothing. Separate yourself. Be distant. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan and Abram. And Dathan and Abram came out and stood at their door in their tents with their wives, their sons, and their children. They're all there in front of their tents. And listen to their words. Verse 28. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. Again, the... The attachment of why is the pastor, why is the church, why is the religion, why is Christianity. They are attributing this separation, this sanctification, not to a holy and jealous God, but to a cultural, um, earthly, sen sensual scenario. Verse 29. If these men die naturally, like all men, if everything goes well with them, and they are, if they are visited by common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. If nothing happens to the people separated and disassociated and disconnected from, then everything is fine. Verse 30. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens his mouth and swallows them with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive to the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. So God is calling them to disconnect from those who have rejected the things of God. Those who despise the things of God. Again, a painful prospect for those of us that desire their salvation, their redemption, their forgiveness. Verse 31. Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking these words, that the ground split apart under them. Verse 32. And the earth opened its mouth, swallowed them up with their household and all the men with Korah and with all their goods. Verse 33. So they, all, they and all those who were with them went down alive with the pit. It was, it was, it was uh, the normal cause to understand that those that were proximate and close and eating dinner there that night uh, also suffered the, the fate of these people. And they perished 
even among, even as part of those that were part of the assembly. Verse 34. Then all Israel who were round them fled at their cry, for they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. There were still people that, that were still close to those tents, even after the Lord had clearly spoken. They were still there. So when they saw, then they ran. And they're like, man, maybe, you know, we got to avoid what is happening to them. Verse 35, and then it goes, a fire came down from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Um, they had, they had um, contaminated the hearts of 250 people. These three elders of Israel had contaminated the hearts of those, and they had 250 people swinging incense that, that's the speaking the same way, feeling the same way, having the same sentiment. Oh, God is a merciful God. God doesn't ask us to separate. God doesn't ask us to, uh, to consecrate. God is not serious. And so I, I would like to suggest that God is serious. Uh, I would like to suggest that God does address these matters in a, in a, in a forthright manner. Um, As we walk in, in this manner, look at what the New Testament uh, feeling was for some of the people that started doing this in 2 John 1, 9. He says, those who don't keep this order do not abide in the Christian teaching because they do not have God. And he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So the fellowship is close to those who... Uh, come into this relationship. Verse 10, it continues on to say, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him uh, into your house nor greet him. Uh, for years, uh, my family, me, Yvette, uh, have grown up that the only people that come into our house are people that love Jesus Christ with their entire heart. That's the only people that come to our house. We don't have open door policy. There's a big separation. If you're inside the Molina home, it's because you're ready for the rapture. Amen. You're ready to go with God because you take God serious. And it is the case that those that aren't wanting to be ready for it and they call you're too radical, you're too serious, they, they don't want to be in our house. There's one we took in a homeless girl once and um, she had been on the street for six months and we took her in. She was suicidal and she stayed at our house for five days. And at the end of five days, she says, I got to get out of here. And I was like, why? We've invited you to our home. There's a hot meal. We love on you. There's air conditioning. There's a shower. There's a family. She goes, because it's Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm sick and tired of Jesus. She wanted to leave our home because the only thing that was there was Jesus. And so intimately, those people that love Jesus are drawn to our home. Those people that don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. Want to be as far away from the Molina household as possible. They don't want a fellowship. They don't want to walk as we walk. They, they have embraced other things. So I have, I have respected them. And so as they withdraw and grow distant from our home, um, I'm not going to go into their home and be part of their destruction. I, I love them too much to be able to make foggy waters in that regards. So there it says in 2 John 1.10, if anyone comes to you 
and does not bring, does not walk according, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. Well, that's not the Christian attitude. Well, I'm reading the Bible this morning. <laughs> Don't welcome into your home people that are going to be cursing and drinking and right. smoking Amen. and doing things that are not above board. Verse 11 says, for if anyone does receive him, he who greets him will be a participant of his evil deeds. You become now a part of what they're doing wrong. And so that becomes a travesty. Let's stand this morning. And every time the word of God issues forth, we need to ask God for grace. In the coming days and the holidays, the Bible says, let them convert to you and you not to them. Make sure that they want to hang out with you and they have invitations to. Um, they have invitations to come and love Jesus and get to know him. Uh, but once we've already made the efforts to reach out to them, once we already made the efforts for them to come and know the Lord, then now uh, it's time to allow uh, you to continue to grow in the things of God. Um, and they have an opportunity to see the stark contrast. Uh, Jeremiah fifteen nineteen. This fundamental doctrine of the Christian faith causing us to be separate. It says, therefore, thus saith the Lord. Who says? The Lord. If you return, I shall bring you back and you shall stand before me. If you take out the precious from the vial, you make that separation, you will be as my mouth. You're not going to be the voice of the Lord hanging out together doing what they do. A lot of people says, well, I get a tattoo. They have a tattoo. They can listen to God. No, they will not be able to listen to him that is in the same place doing the same things. You nullify your prophetic voice. You no longer stand as a man or woman of God if you're there doing the same things they do. But if you separate that which is precious from that which is vile, the word vile means transgressor, the one that's violating the principles of God, then you will be my mouthpiece. Let them return to you, but you must not return to them. Let them repent and have an opportunity to come back and be right with God. Let them be converted to you and not you continually to be where they're at doing what they do because you're, you're providing a disservice. You're providing a huge disservice. Again, I go back to those that never have the opportunity to stand strong for the Lord so they're unable to... Um, to be an answer. Some people say, well, Jesus hung out with sinners and he hung out with the drunkards and the prostitutes. Hebrews 7, 26 says he was um, distinctively, it says, for such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. See the word there? Separate. He, he wasn't hanging out doing what they do. He wasn't making them feel that what they were doing was right. His visitation was a calling them out to be like him. And therefore, he became a conduit of God uh, for those that came. And then finally, when Jesus prays in John 17, John 17, he's praying, verse 15. 
It's not the aspect of we're going to live in this world disassociated from the world. Uh, I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. That you separate them from wherever the evil one is doing their work. And so very important that you ask God to give you wisdom and grace. Uh, in the coming days, uh, during the holidays, uh, it's a great time to experience uh, family and friends. But have them come to your house under the influence of the kingdom of heaven. No booze, no inappropriate behavior, no vulgarity. But we're not going to go be subject to their debauchery, to their ungodliness, to their fellowship outside of the presence of God. And in that manner, uh, I believe the reason God gives us this word this morning is to keep our hearts from those of us that are having that struggle for you to stand strong and let them come and be a blessed, you know, be blessed by us and not us being manipulated, intimidated, coerced. Oh, you don't love me, so you don't come over. No, I do love you, but I don't come over. I do want to be with you, but not in that fellowship. And so you create an environment from those that, that cause, listen, your children will never be able to make a distinction of getting away from their worldly friends if you don't get away from your worldly friends. They'll never be able to stand strong and make that disparity of, I don't hang out with people like you. And told my kids, we don't, we don't fellowship with clowns. We, we don't fellowship. We, we're not running a circus. We're part of the church. And when you fellowship with us, you'll see the wisdom of God. You'll see the light of the kingdom. You'll see the blessing. And we, we definitely want them to be a part of us. But we're not going to negotiate, not even a little bit, to be a stumbling stone in their lives to occasion them to feel that they're okay doing what they're doing. Father, we thank you this morning for this word. We give you thanks that light comes to be manifest and expose darkness. Where there is light, there is no darkness. And where darkness abides, that means there's no light. Make us vessels of honor that we might separate, sanctify, and cleanse ourselves to be used by you to see your glory, to see your miracles, to see your wonders. Give us the courage that they will know where to run and with whom they have come across to have fellowship with, Lord. We pray your Holy Spirit would lead our steps and give us wisdom to be distinctive upon the earth as the light of the world. You are light and in you there is no darkness at all. Make us the same way, O oh God. Eliminate negotiated patterns of relationships, compromise, mediocrity. Allow us to shine bright so that they will run towards your presence and be saved eternally. This we pray in Jesus' name and the house of God says amen. amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.